This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm in Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. Min, are you sitting down? Firmly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need to be, because it's so weird to think about this, but Friday, right. March 11th marks two years of the pandemic, according to the World Health Organization. And that wow. feels really weird. That does feel weird. I don't know? like it. And um, yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, I, you might hear it in my voice. I'm a little nasally right now. Yeah. And um, my son uh, tested positive for, for COVID this uh. week. So first time we've had it in this house. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, two years in, COVID is still very much here. Yeah, it's hard to believe that. Yeah, I think too with this kind of milestone of, because two years is, I mean, (laughs) it's longer than most relationships I've ever had. Um, But it's made me start to think about the past and the way that it feels to think about the past, if that doesn't sound like a home sense pillow cover. Um, you know, I mean, we have these things like Facebook memories that get pushed to Mm. us. Instagram does a whole on this day function. And in the last two years, I've been actually kind of seeking out those reminders of what things were like two years, three years back, because they've been really impactful for me because the world is just so different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it it is hard to believe two years has just kind of gone by like this in a a blink of an eye. But I remember that week, like it was literally yesterday you know yeah. I, mean, I remember i remember the nba yeah. you know from from a sports world's perspective um just you know the nba shutting down and then one league after another just kind of toppling like dominoes and the nhl followed suit and then we went into bubble worlds and things like that and, and tom hanks that week too i think right right yeah he tom hanks first hit it was he, he oh. yeah he had it and uh there was yeah there's a lot of fear and not knowing you know what would happen and nobody was vaxxed right nobody no. had uh any any vaccinations and um so yeah it's uh there's a ton of different memories i'm sure for many many different people mm-hmm. i think the other layer too though that, that really messes with my head is how different the world is now um, yeah. You know, I mean, as we're kind of opening up again now and we're coming into whatever this next phase of the pandemic holds, everything does feel like it's it's shifted. Like, I don't know if I ever saw a war starting before the pandemic ever ended. That feels right. kind of crazy. And I can't yeah. even imagine what this kind of going back in your memories feels like for Ukrainian Edmontonians right now, because you can look back at, at being in these spaces and cities and now those places look so very different. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I remember different wars starting at at different times, but this this one has been, I guess, the impact of it has been uh, very different for me, mm. for me, because you know you see things happening as they unfold. You know, yeah. I mean, you're seeing soldiers putting putting video on their Insta stories of uh, parachuting into Ukraine, you know, and and vice versa, and people. Uh, you know, on the ground in Ukraine, showing you what's going on. I've got, like, you know, as I mentioned, uh, a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old in the house, and they're kind of coming up to me and going, hey, what is happening? What does this mean? Like, are we going to World War III? So you're getting it from a perspective of a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. So uh, it it is very bizarre, and it is weird, right? And, um, you know, we're recording uh, Thursday, right? As we're recording, the, the world is reacting to some, you know, horrible news, right? There are reports of Russia bombing a maternity hospital in Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? CBC reporters are on the ground at the border. And uh, the stories you're hearing from folks, I mean, they're they're heartbreaking and, and so powerful. Stories about leaving family behind, just kind of packing things into a suitcase and then just, you know, hitting the road. Yeah. And not knowing where you're going or, or how you're going to get there. <laughs> so, 
you know, there's so much that that's happening. It's 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 a it's a fast moving story, right? And um, I mean, of course, close to home flag stores have been selling out of Ukrainian flags across the city. It's I mean, I, I hear it's happening right across the country. I actually saw a story out of I want to say Newfoundland. Yeah. And these two women, the the number of orders they're getting to make flags. I mean, they couldn't keep up. They had wow. to order. Yeah, they had to order more material. I saw it earlier in the week. I mean, it was it was amazing, right? So it's everywhere. Um, yeah, it is, and and it's it's across uh, all spectrums, right? This week, uh, the Oilers played a home game against the Washington Capitals. Russian hockey player Alexander Ovechkin, uh, he was getting booed. Yeah, right. And uh, the stadium was packed with Ukrainian flags, fans wearing blue and yellow colors of Ukraine. I mean, there's a huge Ukrainian contingent in Edmonton. It always mm-hmm. has been. Yeah. So uh, no surprise there that you know he was getting booed. Uh, the 50-50 last night was in support of the Canadian Ukraine Foundation. And the total pot was over $1.8 million, that's which is nuts. amazing, yeah. right? That's that's even before the game started. So, um, you know, the Vitor Ukrainian folk choir sang the anthem in English and Ukrainian. I, I, you know, I wish I could have been there. It would have been amazing to see that. I'm yeah. sure it was like an absolute goosebump moment. So I think Alberta definitely has one of the biggest Ukrainian populations in Canada and in Edmonton. So... It isn't a surprise that the support is uh, so overwhelming. I mean, they, I think last week they had fill a plane for Ukraine where they had medical supplies, uh, supplies just that, you know, we take for granted, whether it be toothbrushes or, you know, soap or, you know, anything like like to get through your day. So um, it was great to see that them get so much support, too. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, so many people in our community here in Edmonton have a connection to Ukraine. And right now they're experiencing all kinds of emotions as they watch this Russian invasion. And for some like Andriy Tovstiak, the fear has reached really close to home. He spent about seven months at an Air Force base in 2019 as a member of the Canadian Armed Forces training the Ukrainian military. And that base was recently bombed. And Andriy wrote about it in a first person piece for CBC. And he joins me now on The Loop. Hello and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So uh, first thing I want to know, what was it like for you growing up as a Ukrainian Edmontonian kid? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, there's a there's a phrase that says it takes a village to, to raise a child. And I really do feel the same way about the, the Ukrainian community here in, in Edmonton. There are so many ways to get involved in the community, whether it's through... Uh, are many, many Ukrainian dance groups, uh, Ukrainian sports teams, Ukrainian Saturday schools, Ukrainian scouts, other youth organizations. So um, I've been uh, I've been very blessed and very fortunate to to be part of this really vibrant community, and and it's really provided me with a lot. So what did it feel like when you actually got to go to the country and work there in 2019? It was it was surreal, uh, to be honest. Um, I uh, I remember I had just finished graduate studies uh, at the U of A and um, and I was actually studying abroad in India for for an exchange um, and I had just gotten back uh, to Edmonton in in January and I just had begun my postgraduate uh, job search and I was maybe maybe one to two weeks into my job search when uh, my company sergeant major uh, gave me a call. The first thing he said was was uh, how good is your Ukrainian? And right then and there, I knew the I knew what the call was about, and I knew um, I knew that they were probably looking for for linguists uh, for for the operation that I had wanted to deploy on. And over the next couple of months, it was uh, a bit of a a bit of a scramble. I was off to Quebec, uh, where I was deploying with an infantry battalion 
Sri Vandu, who were uh, leading ro- uh, Rotation 7 of Operation Unifier, which, uh, which I deployed uh, with them on. So I take it your Ukrainian is pretty good, huh? It, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty rusty. I'm not going to lie. Um, well, that was, uh, that was actually a pretty funny thing. Cause I actually had to, within a, within a week, I had to go to Ottawa for language testing. And so my, I never really used Ukrainian in a professional setting. Um, of course I spoke it at home and, and I spoke it with my family and, and my, my grandparents and, and stuff like that. But it was uh, the moment I knew that there was that opportunity and I was going to Ottawa for language testing. It was full on immersion. Like (laughs) I subscribed to all the Ukrainian social media uh, pages. I I was (laughs) newspapers. I probably would never have been interested otherwise, but only because they were in Ukrainian. So I was really just trying to immerse myself. But yeah, the first... uh, First uh, little bit, it was a bit rusty, but uh, of course, I got a lot more confident and, and uh, it improved significantly, which I, which I was very happy about. Yeah, that definitely probably came in handy. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. how close did you get to the community while you were there? What kind of connections did you make? We, uh, the Canadians, so I was part of what, what's called the Armed Forces of Ukraine Development Group. So we were actually stationed at a lot of different uh, bases across across the country. I had worked uh, predominantly in Vasilkiv, which is an Air Force base, but I also spent time at their Navy Marine Base uh, and uh, non-commissioned officer training academy, and, and as well as their Army Training Academy as well, which is located just north of Cave in a place called Tesna. In terms of our integration with 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 the community, we of course you know frequented restaurants. We went to uh, the gyms in the cities. We uh, we actually uh, had an opportunity to work with some NGOs as well. I, in particular, love to get out and, and meet people where, wherever I could. Uh, to, but of course, you know, work work took priority. So so we worked uh, hard and and we we tried to um, integrate ourselves into the community as well uh, when when the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, and and I've heard you got some pretty great memories. I heard something about Ukrainian Christmas carols. Yeah, so uh, every day on the morning to work, uh, we stopped at a gas station right before the Air Force Base for for a coffee. And uh, the lady who worked there was just uh, so uh, filled with like energy. And she just loved the fact that I spoke Ukrainian. And (laughs) she said uh, she it was a cold. I remember it was it was just around Christmas time. And she said, uh, I'll teach you all the Ukrainian songs. And I said, I know all the Ukrainian Christmas songs. And she's like, I don't believe you. So I actually just started singing them in the Christmas in the gas station <laughs> as her and her uh, employees were just standing there in awe. So it was uh, it was really, really cool to show other people in Ukraine that there are Ukrainians outside of, of, of Ukraine. And, and we do uphold the values. We do uphold the traditions and the cultures. And they uh, I think that was really, really um, rewarding to see that. There are people, you know, halfway across the world that uh, that really do embrace the culture. Where were you when you heard that the base had been bombed? Yeah, so I was I was here in Edmonton. Um, I think since the events over the past couple of weeks, like many many of us um, in the, in the community have been um, really following the situation as, as closely as we can. Mm. Um, my favorite source of of news these days, as as I'm sure it is for a lot of other people, is is Twitter, and uh, I actually found out about the the base being under under attack uh, on Twitter, and then there were a few uh, battles that ensued shortly thereafter. 
but yeah, it was certainly really surreal to, to, to see a tweet saying, you know, Vasilkiv is, is under air raids. The moment I learned that, I, I tried to connect with as many people as I could from that base. And, you know, thankfully they're all okay. And, mm-hmm. um, but as you know, the, the situation is changing by the hour. Yeah. I mean, what has this attack meant for them? Do you know, are they trying to get out of the community or are folks still there? Yeah, I think I think that the the situation really depends. Um, so for for my military friends, of course, they're in they're in the military, so mm-hmm. so um, they're of course um, involved. But in terms of civilians, you know, some have fled. I read just the other day that there's you know in just two weeks there's over two million refugees, which is heartbreaking, and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how many people that actually is in just a matter of two weeks. A lot of a lot of people are fleeing. Some people decide, you know, a lot of people don't have anywhere to go. A lot of people don't have um, a lot of money, so they're staying in their cities despite what's happening around them, sheltering in place, and 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 hoping, like many of us are, that this whole thing um, ends very soon. So, um, I think the situation is really dependent on on the person and their you know individual circumstances. But uh, it's definitely heartbreaking to, to to see all these stories come out. Even back in in 2019, I mean, you were there with the military. Was there a feeling of threat, maybe, or, or that Russia would attack? Um, I think there always, you know, there always is a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's just the reality of being in the military. I mean, that was a that's a that's a possibility. I think regardless of wherever country you're 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 always in, and so um, we were there specifically for a training mission and a training mission only. Um, we weren't there to do any sort of combat operations, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I guess the, the the threat was was always there, albeit you know maybe not as not as high as it was you know these past few months, but but uh, but certainly it's uh, it was always a possibility. Yeah, and the people there, I mean, did it seem like they thought an invasion like this could happen? Well, it's they've been at war for the past eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, this this invasion over the past two weeks has really escalated significantly but they've been at war you know since the invasion of the east and the annexation of Crimea um which which like i said has been going on for the past 8 years a lot of those civilians there have really kind of become in my perspective a bit desensitized to the conflict mm. um it's kind of become part of their everyday which is very unfortunate i think a lot of the lead up to the to the actual events that transpired over the past two weeks, because the U.S. had been sort of warning about this, you know, over the past few months, saying that this is this is imminent, this can happen at any time. You know, of course, they turned out to be right. But when I spoke to to all my Ukrainian colleagues there, they said, you know what, regardless of what happens, we're we're prepared. Um, we're not panicking, which they sh- which they shouldn't have done any, in in any in any regard, because that doesn't really help anybody. Mm. Yeah, they they kind of just went about their 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 lives, um, which 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 I admire and I respect, and 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 the fact is they have been prepared, and they um, they are putting up a very very strong resistance and a big fight, and um, I'm incredibly proud of of them and 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 their courage and their resiliency and and what they are showing to the world because they represent the you know ukraine right now is the battleground of the free world what's happening in ukraine right now is is, isn't exclusively a russia ukraine issue it's it's an issue related to a forthcoming humanitarian crisis which we're only two weeks into the 
the rules-based international order, which was established after World War II, um, a world where, where you know, might uh, does in fact make right. I don't want to live in that world, and I know a lot of other people don't. So there's a lot of other consequences that are going to be, you know, uh, as a result of this of this conflict that we simply don't know yet because we're just so early to it. You brought up a word there, resiliency, um, that I want to touch on. Because in your piece that you wrote for CBC, you said that the people you met while in Ukraine taught you the meaning of resiliency. What do you mean by that? Yeah, they've been so 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 Ukraine Ukraine as a nation has been has been around for a very long time, thousand years, uh, give or take. So they've been battling for their for their statehood for their nation you know for for centuries against various oppressors it's even in the anthem like the anthem of ukraine is called which means ukraine has not yet perished the 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 fact that they've had to battle for for their own sovereignty and their own freedoms for this long it's it's almost as if the resiliency of the ukrainian people it's it's almost built into their dna and and I and I see that everywhere. Like I saw that specifically in the Ukrainian armed forces. Um, you know, these um, they they do incur, of course, hardships. Um, uh, like may, maybe some of our Western militaries do not. Um, but um, but we've got to put into perspective that these are certainly you know political hardships, which of which of course by. Yeah, by extension, become military hardships because they're one and the same. Um, but despite that, despite maybe not having the the fanciest equipment or or, or the newest, latest, and greatest kit, um, they are incredibly, incredibly motivated. They are incredibly, incredibly disciplined, and and the fighting spirit that I've seen with them was unlike anything I've ever seen. That's to me resiliency, and that's and that's what we're seeing right now over the past couple of weeks. I mean, with everything that's been happening, what does it mean to you to be a Ukrainian Canadian today? It's uh, it's it's it means a lot. It's a a country that has you know kind of fed my soul in many ways, uh, spiritually, you know, culturally. Most of my my closest friends uh, are from the community, um, so it's provided me with a lot. And of course, I have a lot of friends and a lot of connections and a lot of family back in Ukraine as well. Um, which I'm very concerned about, uh, given what's happening. But it's uh, it's provided me with a lot, and this and this conflict is really difficult on all of us. So there's nothing I love more than a pop culture throwback. Um, Min, how do you feel about it? Cheesy, tacky, uh, love it? I'm a child of the 80s. <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> like, where do you want me to start and how much time do we have? I mean, I feel like let's save your hour-long diatribe of why the 80s was the best for another episode. Because oh. I have I have a treat for you today. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Today, our show looks at drugs, both good and bad. Coming up, we examine some of Grandma's home remedies. Do they work? We find out how much it costs to smoke. Can you get burned? And we test chocolate to see which one has the taste you can't resist. Tune in and get hooked on Street Sense. I'll start spreading the news. I'll buy that. (laughs) 
That is the most aggressive, like, 90s opening. Min, what did we just hear? Did you hear the synthesizer? Did you hear the synthesizer in there? I know Corey did. How could you not hear the synthesizer? Oh, my God. That that sounds like the soundtrack to after schools when I would come home and my my brother is about six, seven years younger than me. So that was right up his alley. It was on TV all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the opening of Street Sense. It's opened in 1989, became this massive hit. I mean, I was not. I, I won't lie. I was not really <laughs> of the Street Sense generation. I was a bit too young right. to start thinking about my budget. But what yeah. was it like when that was kind of in the zeitgeist? I mean, I was kind of uh, late teens going into the early 20s. So it was, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't really my demographic, but I know it was hugely popular, right? The show that was produced by CBC coming out of Eastern Canada, you know, Jonathan Torrens and his crew breaking it down uh, for, for teenagers about, you know, where to put your money and um, kind of a consumer show, right? I mean, it was kind yeah. of like a kid's marketplace. So um, it was, yeah, it was massively popular and it had a, an amazing run, won tons of awards. So, I mean, they certainly found the right formula, right? Absolutely. And I'm really excited because now there's a version of Street Sense that, again, I'm a little old for it, so I've still sort of missed the mark, but I'm still going to care. Because <laughs> um, CBC is giving a, a new life with a Street Sense reboot, and this time Crazy. it's on TikTok. Oh, um, and one of the content creators involved is from Alberta. Anisha Joshi joins us via a screen from Toronto, where she lives now. Anisha, welcome to The Loop. Hey, hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, I mean, I've got to know, you grew up kind of dancing and acting in Edmonton. Did you ever see CBC and, and TikTok in your career future? Well, I can't say that I saw TikTok in my future because <laughs> I don't think it existed when I was Fair, in high yeah. school. But I, I always knew that I was going to work for a really cool, awesome corporation. I didn't know it was going to be CBC, but I am very happy it is. <laughs> good answer. Uh, so how did you end up as part of this reboot of Street Sense? So I was working as an actor and a dancer at the time in Toronto, and I got an email from my agent, actually, uh, from my senior producer, my now senior producer, uh, looking for someone who was an actor and and was comfortable in the public kind of world, uh, but with a little bit of social media experience. And the previous years before that, I kind of redirected a little bit, opened my own business, started working a little bit in social media. So it was a really good fit, and I went for it. The recruitment process was intense. Um, All four of us had to do a really intense video resume, uh, sample activities. We did three interviews and we waited. Oh, did we wait? (laughs) (laughs) And then I got the offer actually two days before my 26th birthday. Hey, a very happy birthday gift. Yeah, it was really, really exciting. So, so Anisha, I mean, uh, you know, when Claire brought up uh, Street Sense, it took me back to this weird time during the middle of the 90s when this show, I mean, really took off. Did you like have you watched the original show at all or, you know, looked at it for research or anything like that or any thoughts about uh, what they produced back then? Yeah, I did a lot of research when I um, applied for the position. And at first I didn't really recognize it. But then as soon as that intro played and the where does my money go, that song, I'm like, I've heard this. At some point late at night, I think, maybe going to get a glass of water. <laughs> so there was definitely a little bit of a memory there, um, but it was kind of new to me. Although as soon as I started hearing a little bit about the reboot and the direction we wanted to go in, I was so excited because you look at the original brand and you look at this reboot and it's perfect. It's a great, yeah. it's a great rebirth of an iconic brand. And for people who aren't familiar with the reboot or, or maybe haven't seen some of the TikTok uh, videos, what, how, do, how does the reboot switch things up, would you say? 
there's there's some similarities and there's some differences. The original TV show, well, it was a TV show for one, and it had a lot of teen right. streeters. It was weekly. There was um, all sorts of fun things going on, but the core of it was sharing con- like financial literacy and smart consumerism, critical thinking with your wallet, all sorts of stuff like that. And we've really brought that brand and that core over to this reboot, and we're doing the exact same thing, just on TikTok. And realistically, <laughs> if you took a bunch of the TikTok videos and kind of lumped it together, it almost would like remind you a bit of the old series of the old TV show because it did have those segments and it was really fast paced and, and a lot of information was kind of lumped into a really fun show. So I think it is similar in a way. Yeah. Now, I want to know a lot more about these videos because I've been binging them maybe a little bit. How do you come up with the ideas for what you're talking about? Oh, we are still learning, first of all. I mean, this is the work part. I, we definitely kind of came in with some preconceived notions that, like, we got this. Uh, all four of us have social media experience, so we all have really cool ideas coming in. But realistically, it is all team all day. I mean, our senior producer comes up with a lot of ideas. We come up with ideas. But our team as a whole is like a working organism. And so, you know, we come in with a pitch and somebody on the team is like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And all together, all all of us create this really cool idea. And then we also work with a team of teens across Canada. So we have some consultants, our little team consultants, and they are not shy in keeping us honest. They (laughs) tell us. (laughs) They're like, "Mm, I think that video idea sucks, actually. (laughs) And we're like, oh, okay. So that's really helpful too, because it keeps us on track. Uh, with what's really relevant with our audience because we're still learning a little bit about that. So mm-hmm. it's all team. It is a full scale <laughs> affair. Everybody's all hands on deck all the time. I mean, the essence of like a great TikTok video is these like short, tightly edited, really dynamic kind of mini movie. How hard is it to make that kind of content? Well, something in particular that's an extra layer of difficulty we have to deal with is we're the CBC, right? So everything we're doing is based in facts. It's fair, it's balanced, it's accurate. And the CBC's journalistic standards and practices Mm -hmm. is our guideline. At the core, we want to be really reliable with our information. So that does create a whole other challenge because you're kind of in this intersection of quick entertainment and then like factual information and you want to lump it into a burst. But you know what? We just decided that you're going to get a slightly longer video from us and you're going to get all the facts. That's what it is. And we still have the really fun and short and quick videos. Like those are still a really big part of our brand, Mm -hmm. but we stopped caring so much because at the core of it, we want you to get the information. We want you to get the knowledge and they're good videos, so you won't even notice they're a minute and a half long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you wrote it because there, there are so many videos already up on the account. I'm a personal fan of your Ardennes versus Aritzia sweatsuit investigation. <sighs> Very helpful. <laughs> News you can use. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Min is so annoyed, but I'm I'm all in. <laughs> no, no. I just live in a house where Aritzia packages arrive every other day, it seems. Like, I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> but I want to, I mean, do you have a favorite topic or area that you're really excited to explore as this project continues? Mm. Well, speaking personally, you brought up a really great um, video because that is something I'm really passionate about. I get got online. (laughs) I unfortunately have a little bit of a naive quality to me. I'm the youngest of four. So I tend to believe stuff. I'm I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that seems right initially. And then I have to go back and think about it. So when it comes to products and things that that teens and, and our audience are spending their money on, that's something I'm really passionate about because I want to make sure 
that we're not getting got with, with fads online and we're being able to kind of decipher through some of that clickbait and stuff. So speaking personally, I think that's something I'm really passionate about. But as a team, I know collectively, we really want to get out these explainers and every team that leaves our page should know a little bit some, like know a little bit of something that's going to help them in adulthood. Like, oh, I get what taxes are, or I get maybe a little bit more about cryptocurrency. I understand what a net worth is now. Those kinds of things are really, that's really the heart of it. And I think that's really where the important stuff lies. Yeah. All three things I still don't understand. So I will be watching, <laughs> even though I'm not a teen. Now you know where to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we are learning along with the audience. So keep in mind, all four of us are not finance experts. We are like... Yeah totally learning with you. So yeah, even though we make it sound, sound very legit and everything is so researched and everything is so factual, we learned the whole thing as we were doing the research. So (laughs) we're really with the audience on that part. So Anisha, I mean, I live in a house with two teens where it seems like TikTok is running 24 seven and, um, I'm sure there's, you know, a number of different platforms you guys could have chosen, but you know, what do you think like makes TikTok such a a good platform to host, uh, this reboot? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, teens are on TikTok. That's probably the easiest answer, right? We want to be where the teens are. I mean, they're using social media in general, so it just kind of made a bit more sense to be on these platforms that they enjoy. But I think the best part about the original Street Sense brand was how much information was given in such such a quick and fun way. And when you look at that natural rebirth of Street Sense 2022. I mean, that's that's really the p- platform that kind of embodies that whole that whole ideology and right. everyone's attention span is shorting, shortening. So especially yeah. teens, right? We want to be able to get quick inv- or we want to be able to get this information out, but it has to be quick because yeah, nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen the whole <laughs> yeah. time. It has to be interesting and it has to be fun and I think TikTok is the perfect place to do that. And I mean, have you guys thought about what it's going to feel like kind of uh, bridging the gap between, you know, these two generations? I mean, there's going to be parents who will remember the original and now they're going to watch their kids kind of watching this new version. Uh, That's going to be kind of cool to be a part of something like that. Yes, that has been my favorite part. Seeing people comment like, is that fit for the pit? I mean, it is just (laughs) great. It is so exciting for anyone who doesn't know the original brand. Fit for the pit was a segment where any crappy products or any products that were debunked, they got thrown into this fiery pit of, of whatever you want to call it. Now, we didn't exactly bring that back. But we do have things like clickbait investigate and does it do. So that core of it is still really there. And we don't have what's your beef, but we do have a comment section. So mm, you can cool. put your beef there and we will definitely address it. <laughs> I love it because I think that while there are these things that maybe aren't getting brought forward with the reboot, Street Sense is still all about education, right? Especially for younger folks who maybe aren't mm. as learned in things of budgeting and taxes and money or older folks like myself who still have no idea what we're doing. But (laughs) what's one thing that you just really hope people get out of this new version of Street Sense? Well, I left home at 17. I was very young and I had absolutely no idea what to do. And I'm not the type of person to necessarily maybe go seek out information. It's not necessarily good quality of mine. Now I'm like that, but at, at 17, yeah, it's really like your feet. I don't want to go learn about all that kind of stuff. And I had people telling me and I had to kind of learn along the way. And I was broke constantly for like five years. And now that I'm a part of such an important project and I'm working with a team of like really cool people and we're all putting so much love into this project, 
I think that's exactly what I want to avoid. Any teen making those mistakes that I did. I'd love to be able to just be like, hey, don't do that. Found out, didn't work out. Those kinds of things. And really just, I don't know, making it easier for Gen Z to create a life that they want because it's become so much more unattainable. And I think education is at the core of it. We just need to show how to navigate this world and how to do it smartly and properly. And I think um, I think that's the most important part. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Olivia O, oh, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, I'm in Dariwal, and uh, there is always much more to know and get into the loop uh, with us every Friday. And hopefully today we've uh, inspired you to get on TikTok. <laughs> Possibly, maybe. Well, if you go first, man, you're the last. you got to go. I think I'm going to have to. I think I've fought <laughs> it long enough. So, uh, yeah, the fight is over now. So Excellent. TikTok, here I come. Um, and, and as always, you can leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show. Or if you want to get in touch, we have an email address, theloop at cbc.ca. Don't hold back. Send us uh, your email and uh, tell us how you feel or what you want us to look into or, or anything, really. And you can use the hashtag the loop CBC on social media and reach out to us. I'm at Min Dariwal. And Claire, you are? At Naminob. Of course, as always, uh, <laughs> you know, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Have a great weekend, everyone. Ta-da! Wow, this is kind of like... <laughs> oh... <laughs> this is pop culture right here. Van Halen, baby. What? What are we Oh, doing? yeah. Let's use this. What's happening? <laughs> I feel Jump. like... I don't know. <laughs> Jump. Sing Jump. it, man. Hit it. I woke up. <laughs> Everything brings me down. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.